Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Easter weekend 1998. An 18-year-old goes missing on the way to see a relative in Leeds. Diagnosed with schizophrenia, she was approximately 14 times more likely to become a victim of violent crime. The race was on to find the vulnerable young woman, but no one could be prepared for what they saw when they found her. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 16 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Eighteen-year-old Angela Pierce lived on Skelton Terrace in East End Park, an estate in the inner city of Leeds, West Yorkshire. 
is just over half an hour's walk or a 15-minute bus ride from the Leeds Corn Exchange. Skelton Terrace is predominantly lined with red brick terraced houses. No homes seem to stand out behind the bricked-off front gardens, but unlike the properties, Angela Pierce felt she did not fit in. She lived with her mother Irene and her sister Nicola, who was two years her junior. Angela and Nicola's father Stephen had long separated from their mother. He had remarried, but the former couple still prioritised their girls above all else. Angela passed the time by shopping for clothes and jewellery. She was particularly fond of gold bracelets. Her teenage years had been extremely difficult. Relentless bullying was a regular occurrence, and she had something more to contend with. Angela was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Unfortunately, if she did not take her medication as prescribed, the symptoms of Angela's health condition would worsen, making her vulnerable, especially when out alone. In April 1998, Angela was teetering on the brink of a mental health crisis, which prompted arrangements for her hospitalisation. On the 9th of that month, she visited her boyfriend Danny Cunningham, who lived close to the centre of Leeds. The couple had known each other since their early teens. They started dating, but being so young, They went their separate ways for a while before getting back together. That day, Angela did not stay at Danny's for long. At about 2pm, she said she had to leave because she was due to meet a family member in Leeds City Centre. However, Angela never met up with a relative, never returned home. By nightfall, her mother was growing concerned when Angela failed to show up. Irene's unease was amplified by her daughter's recent health issues. The following day, Stephen and Irene were proactive, not only reporting their eldest daughter missing, but Angela's parents wasted no time producing missing person posters. Flyers were distributed to local businesses and stuck on streetlights. To broaden the search, Angela's parents tirelessly went door-to-door in the local area, personally handing out leaflets to homeowners, hoping that someone had seen their daughter. It was particularly cold that Easter weekend. There was even some snowfall. Angela Pierce had not come home, and it seemed unlikely that she had been outside fending for herself in the cold weather. The days passed with no word on the missing teenager, until two weeks later when personnel stationed at Milgarth Police Station in Leeds had an unexpected visitor. On the quiet afternoon of Friday, April 24th, The taxi driver approached the front desk with information about a possible murder. At this juncture, there was no evidence, just a conversation with a client in his car. 
The taxi driver relayed a discussion he had with a local man he was familiar with. A potential witness claimed that during the journey, a man named Mark Frankham told him that Angela Pierce was dead. He elaborated by saying that Angela had been robbed, murdered and then buried in a disused cemetery. Familiar with the local area and many of its inhabitants, the taxi driver knew Angela was missing. He also had a connection to Angela's boyfriend. Maybe there was some weight to what his passenger had told him. After dropping off Frankham, the driver rushed to a police station to inform the authorities. The potential witness did not want to divulge his name or contact details, so the only information the driver provided was an unsettling story. That said, the inquiry was not going anywhere, and this was a plausible lead. Coincidentally, there was an abandoned cemetery in the Mabgate area of Leeds, a mere 200 yards from the police station. Officers decided to visit the location, scanning the area for anything unusual. Amongst a patch of grass, there were signs the earth had recently been disturbed. Suspicious in size, the officers decided to excavate the area. A mere eight inches under the soil, they found a body. The young woman's remains were in a terrible condition. She was unrecognisable. Her face displayed signs of severe swelling and numerous cuts and bruises. Even her hair had been singed, and it appeared as though it had been haphazardly chopped off. A belt was tightly wound around her neck. It was clear from the outset this young woman had suffered greatly before her untimely death. Considering the condition of the body and signs of foul play, specialists were needed, including a home office pathologist and a forensic archaeologist. Sadly, it was detailed in the pathologist's assessment that the young woman had not died quickly. It was reported she had suffered a beating prior to death. There were multiple injuries to the body. It was a protracted beating. Once the body was carefully removed from the shallow grave, investigators combed the area for crucial evidence. Meanwhile, other officers had the heartbreaking task of informing Angela Pierce's parents that a body had been discovered. That night, Irene told reporters, I can't take it in. She was such a friendly person. We held out hope that she would be all right. When there were no sightings, we feared the worst. The pathologist's findings revealed a tally of 48 distinct injuries to the head, torso and limbs. Angela had suffered fractures to her hands and ribs, in addition to substantial blood loss. A rib cage had been separated from the chest wall, 
and the evidence on her skin pointed to the presence of cigarette burns. Her hair had been subjected to both cutting and burning. Further examination unveiled injuries around Angela's neck, indicating pressure had been applied. The extensive bruising could have compromised the proper functioning of her heart due to internal bleeding into soft tissues. Fat found within her blood vessels indicated tissue damage, potentially leading to severe respiratory distress and oxygen deprivation to the brain. The pathologist noted there was no evidence of sexual assault. Angela's exact cause of death could not be determined due to the multitude of injuries. The pathologist suggested that it could have been one of the factors, a combination of several, or even the cumulative effect of all the injuries. He also estimated that Angela had been dead for between 10 to 14 days. She had been killed elsewhere, and then her body disposed of in the shallow grave. The discovery of Angela Pierce's body marked a swift transition from a missing person inquiry to a murder investigation. The pivotal information provided by the anonymous witness at the police station had led them to Angela's remains, compelling officers to pursue the source of this information, 22-year-old Mark Frankham. The young man was not that hard to find. Frankham was at his friend's flat on Cherry Court in Mapgate. The council property was rented by 19-year-old Claire Latif, the sister of Frankham's 17-year-old girlfriend Mina Latif. Frankham and the Latif sisters, along with two other friends, 17-year-old Christopher Bevis and 16-year-old Nolene Harker, had been using the flat as a makeshift drug den. Just one day after Angela's body had been discovered, police officers swarmed the property. As they arrived, the five suspects had returned home from an aborted holiday in Wales, having failed to reach the free accommodation they set out for. Mark Frankham was promptly apprehended and transported to the police station for questioning. During his interrogation, Frankham admitted to assisting in the disposal of Angela's body, but vehemently denied any involvement in her murder. Simultaneously, as the police pressed forward with their investigation, they encountered an 18-year-old named Andrew Gregory, whose revelations would significantly impact the case. Gregory disclosed to investigators that Angela had been lured to the high-rise council flat with the intent to take her gold jewellery and anything else of worth that the teenager had in her possession. However, the gang consisting of Mark Frankham, Claire and Mina Latif, Christopher Bevis and Nolene Harker collectively decided that was not enough and Angela Pierce could not leave the flat alive. Angela Pierce was known to Claire Latif. 
after Angela and her boyfriend Danny had broken up after dating at 15. Danny began a relationship with Latif. However, when Danny and Angela rekindled their relationship, it did not sit well with Danny's previous girlfriend. Latif was also aware of Angela's mental health challenges and her passion for jewellery. With this knowledge sitting at the forefront of their minds, Claire Latif and her four associates believed Angela would be vulnerable and they could steal her belongings, selling them for a profit. When the gang spotted Angela on the street on April 9th, they invited her to Claire Latif's flat on Cherry Court. They presented the gathering as a casual get-together, showing Angela their best friendly faces, assuring her she was welcome to join them. Having a peer group wanting to spend time with her would have appealed to Angela, as she had such a hard time being bullied at school. It was also a factor that would have made her even more susceptible to being influenced. Angela had not taken her medication that day, which meant she would have been confused and easily led. She agreed to go with them, and on the way everything seemed fine. When they reached the flat, she was initially welcomed. The group sat in the living room drinking cider, but it was not long before the atmosphere shifted from light-hearted to aggressive. Things got out of control and fast. Olene Harker brutally assaulted Angela by striking her in the face and forcibly removing her rings. Angela had £95 in cash in her purse and wore her favourite gold bracelets. Both the money and the jewellery were stolen. The gang took any items of worth, but they had no intention of letting the 18-year-old leave. Arca showed no mercy as she subjected Angela to an onslaught of violence. The 16-year-old repeatedly struck Angela's face with an electric iron. The group then surrounded Harker. They were not disgusted with what they saw but instead they celebrated, callously mocking and berating Angela. Claire Latif decided to join in, delivering a forceful kick to Angela's head that caused swelling so severe Angela could not see. In an unrelated matter that same day as the torment unfolded, two police officers paid an unexpected visit to the flat. They were entirely unaware of Angela's presence inside and never entered the property. Over the course of that Good Friday weekend, a friend of the gang, 18-year-old Andrew Gregory, made an appearance at the flat. Upon entering the property, he was taken aback by the appalling condition Angela was in. She was someone he had never met previously. That afternoon, he witnessed Nolene Harker pummeling Angela's face with closed fists. Continually upping the ante, the gang were not bothered who saw what they were doing, 
perhaps attempting to outdo or impress one another. Reflecting on what he had seen, Gregory later said, I walked out. When I got back, there was blood on the chair, on Harker's hand and on the blanket. At one point, Angela begged the gang for water. It initially appeared that the request had softened Harker as she entered the kitchen. Moments later, she returned to the living room, offering Angela a glass of what appeared to be clear liquid. However, upon taking a sip, Angela recoiled and spat out what she had been given, realising that the glass did not contain water, but disinfectant which scorched her throat. Her captors were not done. Angela was forced behind the sofa where Harker launched a series of relentless kicks to Angela's head and body. Harker then reached for a snooker cue, striking the victim as hard as she could. Mark Frankham and Claire Latif followed suit, picking up the cue and taking turns to hit Angela over and over again. The torture was still not finished. Nolene Harker and Claire Latif then began stubbing out cigarettes on Angela's bare skin while the rest of the gang erupted into laughter. On Easter Sunday, the horrifying violence persisted within the confines of the flat. Harker seized a can of hairspray from one of the bedrooms and sprayed it on Angela's blonde hair. She then ignited the spray, producing a makeshift flamethrower. Angela's hair was engulfed in flames. The group once again burst out laughing. Feeling emboldened by the reaction, Mark Frankham then forcibly raised Angela to her feet, only to brutally assault her, sending her crashing to the floor. As Angela was crumpled up in agony, Frankham urinated on her. It was hard to fathom why five people were all willing to play a part in the sustained torment and torture of another person. However, there did not seem to be a limit to how far the gang were willing to go. Angela pleaded with them to stop. They were aware enough to realise that her screams and cries would alert the neighbours, so the radio volume was turned up to drown out her pleas. After they tired of the day's torment, Angela was bundled up and confined to a kitchen cupboard. The following day, Nolene Harker and sisters Claire and Mina Latif went into the kitchen. Angela was curled up in a ball, her face and body marred by severe wounds, her scalp bearing scars from the fire. The three young women approached Angela brandishing a pair of scissors and haphazardly shearing off what remained of her hair. Angela's deteriorating condition compelled the five to make a chilling decision, perhaps a choice they individually considered as the torture began. Angela could not leave the flat, at least not alive. The gang feared that she would report what they had done to her, 
and they would all be charged with assault or worse. After enduring six days of horrific torment, Nolene Harker placed a plastic bag over Angela's head and secured a belt around her neck, effectively cutting off her air supply. Angela was then forced back into a kitchen cupboard which was locked behind her, leaving Angela to face a dark and solitary death in unsurmountable pain. Andrew Gregory returned to the flat on Cherry Court. He had not informed anyone of what he had witnessed at the property days earlier. He arrived in the company of Christopher Bevis. They had been on an excursion searching for a car to steal. Mark Frankham informed the pair that Angela was dead. He directed them to the cupboard where Angela's lifeless body was propped up against the wall. Later, Gregory grimly noted, it smelled awful. The group convened in the living room to discuss what to do with Angela's body. It was unanimously decided that she needed to be buried. This awful deed was another incident in a long line of horrors as Mina Latif celebrated her birthday. Consequently, the males of the group, Andrew Gregory, Christopher Bevis and Mark Frankham, ventured out in the dead of night carrying a spade. They stumbled upon a grassy area within a disused cemetery opposite a pub and commenced digging a makeshift grave. It took a while. The ground was hardened by the cold weather. Once the hole appeared to be of sufficient size to accommodate Angela's remains, they returned to the flat. Angela's body was wrapped in a blanket and transported to the newly dug grave. However, the remains did not fit within the confines of the hole they had prepared showing Angela as much compassion in death as they did in life. Mark Frankham resorted to stamping on Angela's legs until her body was forcibly wedged into the makeshift grave. On April 25th, Mark Frankham, Claire Latif, Mina Latif, Christopher Bevis and Nolene Harker were taken into custody in connection with Angela Pierce's murder. Following their arrests, they all underwent individual interrogations. During their interviews, sisters Claire and Mina Latif remained silent, offering no responses to the questions posed. In contrast, Christopher Bevis initially denied any knowledge of the events, but later confessed to being present in the flat over the course of the six-day ordeal. He did, however, distance himself from any involvement in the acts of torture and murder. When Nolene Harker was interviewed, the police noticed she was wearing one of Angela's necklaces. When confronted, Harker claimed she had no idea where it came from, and denied she had ever seen Angela at the flat. 
She was unaware that Andrew Gregory had already identified her as the primary aggressor in the torture and murder. Gregory had agreed to cooperate with the police under the assurance that he would not face prosecution. In the wake of their arrests, the police obtained some information from Felicity Chessman Ward, who was in a cell next to the Latif sisters. According to Felicity, Claire and Mina Latif had told her they were going to blame the entire thing on Nolene Harker. They told Felicity that if Harker was deemed responsible, then they would only be charged with the assault. On May 1st, Mark Frankham, Claire and Mina Latif, Christopher Bevis and Nolene Harker appeared in court together, where they were all charged with Angela Pierce's murder. Harker was additionally charged with theft in relation to Angela's jewellery. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All five suspects had experienced life within care homes, 
with Nolene Harker emerging from a particularly harrowing background marked by violence and sexual abuse inflicted by her brother. Claire Latif's flat served as a makeshift haven for most of the gang, with other teenagers periodically streaming in and out, often finding a place to crash on the sofa or huddle on the floor. If they had a successful day of shoplifting, the spoils were diverted towards buying drugs. Their day's a constant cycle. Following the charges, all five suspects pleaded not guilty to Angela Pierce's murder and they were set for trial. On April 22, 1999, the murder trial commenced. During opening statements, Malcolm Swift QC conveyed to the jury the gang's decision to target Angela Pierce. The prosecutor stated, The females knew Angela was not normal and decided to take her to their flat to get her drunk and abuse her. Swift then presented the details surrounding Angela's murder, revealing that she had endured cruel and systematic torture, ultimately succumbing to fatal beatings over the course of six agonising days. The prosecutor argued... Each defendant played a part in these attacks. Their ferocity and persistence were such that each defendant must have formed the view that Angela could not be allowed to leave Cherry Court alive. The prosecution meticulously detailed each and every injury inflicted upon Angela, recounting how Nolene Harker had callously set her hair on fire. Swift added, Everyone laughed, so she did it again. The first witness to take the stand was Andrew Gregory, who provided a harrowing account of the torment inflicted by the gang. He disclosed that after the Easter weekend, the gang discussed disposing of Angela's body somewhere away from the flat. Gregory testified... I went out with Bevis to look for a car to steal, and when I returned, Mark told me she was dead. The witness went on to describe the process of disposing of Angela's body, admitting his involvement and explaining the ground was hard with snow. It took hours just to dig a shallow grave. During his time on the stand... Gregory revealed that he had reached an agreement with the authorities where he would not face prosecution for his role in the crimes in exchange for providing a witness statement to the police. Under questioning from Claire Latif's defence counsel, Roger Keane QC suggested Gregory was shifting the blame onto others when he was equally culpable. Gregory firmly responded, All they want is the truth. When asked about the torture and torment, Gregory confirmed that no one stepped in to stop what was happening when he said, Nobody did out. Next to testify was Felicity Chessman Ward. 
she had been in a prison cell next to the Latif sisters while they were on remand. While Andrew Gregory had previously stated that Nolene Harker had placed the plastic bag over Angela's head, Felicity informed the court that she had been told it was actually Mark Frankham who had done so. Jurors were also presented with evidence indicating traces of Angela's blood and hair had been found in the flat, as well as on clothing belonging to the defendants. The prosecution contended that all five defendants were equally responsible, asserting that the murder constituted a joint enterprise. Each of the accused sought to downplay their involvement in the murder, even claiming they had attempted to steal a car in order to provide transportation so Angela could get back home. However, the prosecution argued that by this point, Angela was already on the brink of death, if not already dead. It was asserted that the real reason for the car theft was to facilitate the transport of Angela's body to the prepared grave. As the trial neared its conclusion, the judge instructed the jury that they could find all five defendants guilty under the principle of joint enterprise. However, if they believed that Nolene Harker had, quote, acted beyond the scope of anything either expressly or impliedly agreed upon when she applied pressure to Angela's face and neck, Jurors had the option to find Harker guilty while acquitting the other four defendants. The trial lasted five weeks. As the verdicts were delivered, none of the accused displayed any hint of emotion. Nolene Harker was found guilty of murder but had admitted to a charge of false imprisonment during the trial. Mark Frankham, Claire and Mina Latif, and Christopher Bevis were also convicted of Angela Pierce's murder and false imprisonment. Furthermore, the jury found Claire Latif and Nolene Harker guilty of robbing Angela of her jewellery. The judge described the gang as totally evil and characterised the killing as an exceptional case of cold-blooded murder. Mrs Justice Steele went on to state that the legal proceedings were the most harrowing she had presided over during her time as a judge. Addressing the defendant, she said, Nobody who has sat in court and heard the evidence can have failed to have been sickened by the catalogue of cruelty and humiliation that Angela Pierce suffered at your hands. You selected her so you could have some fun with her. She was also selected because she had a quantity of jewellery. Your motives were cruelty and greed. Claire Latif and Mark Frankham each received a life sentence. During this period, judges did not determine minimum sentences. Instead, a recommendation was forwarded to the Home Secretary. 
they would ultimately decide how long the killers would spend behind bars, a term that was often not reported. Nina Latif, Christopher Bevis and Nolene Harker would attained at Her Majesty's pleasure, given their age at the time of the murder. They were all under 18. Nolene Harker was additionally sentenced to 10 years for false imprisonment, while Mark Frankham, Nina Latif and Christopher Bevis received seven-year sentences. Claire Latif received an additional five years for the same charge. All sentences were to run concurrently. As they were escorted out of the courtroom, the public gallery erupted with cries of murderers and rot in hell. Outside of court, Angela's mother Irene spoke with the press. She said, I cannot believe such evil exists in the world. The verdict would never have been enough as I believe it should be a life for a life. I will live the rest of my lifetime knowing they still have a life. In a tragic twist of fate, while distributing flyers, Angela's parents, Irene and Stephen, had knocked on doors just two streets away from where Angela was being held. Irene lamented, Nothing can make me forget that as I was knocking on doors, she was being tortured and probably crying out for me. I can hear her now telling her killers, My mum will be looking for me. She will be looking. In 2000, all five defendants lodged appeals against their convictions. Except for Nolene Harker, whose appeal hinged on the success of the others, lead counsel James Stewart QC represented the remaining four appellants. The barrister contended that the inclusion of Felicity Chessman Ward's testimony before the jury was inappropriate. He asserted that it was prudent to exercise caution when dealing with witness evidence referred to as cell confessions. James Stewart QC argued that such testimony should be approached with a healthy degree of scepticism. The defence requested further scrutiny of Felicity as a witness and disclosed information which they argued cast doubt on her credibility. They uncovered that her GCSE certificates displayed at her mother's residence were falsified, and she had filed a rape complaint that she later withdrew when her account of the incident was described as extremely unreliable. The appeals were rejected. Nolene Harker made a subsequent appeal against her sentence in 2010, in which her counsel contended that she had made remarkable and unforeseen progress while serving her sentence. He highlighted her personal growth and argued that Harker's continued incarceration might seriously prejudice her well-being. The appeal referenced the judge's remarks, 
which noted the absence of remorse from any of the defendants for their actions. According to her counsel, Nolene Harker had developed a psychological defence mechanism stemming from the violence within her family and the sexual abuse inflicted by a relative. Harker's barrister argued that this defence mechanism manifested as an inability to display appropriate remorse or emotion. This appeal was also denied. So where are we now? In 2014, Angela Pierce's family faced another tragedy when her 32-year-old sister Nicola passed away. The pain of Angela's brutal murder had never truly left her. The following year, the media reported that Claire Latif had established a long-distance friendship with the notorious serial killer Rose West. Alongside her husband Fred, Rose had inflicted unspeakable horrors upon young women, including her own daughter, between the early 70s and late 80s. Claire Latif and Rose West had been exchanging letters from their prison cells frequently, at least once a week. According to an insider, their correspondence delved into mundane topics, including updates on their life in prison. They even shared recipes cut from magazines, both having access to kitchen facilities, and Rose received knitting patterns due to her passion for needlework. Around the 20th anniversary of Angela's murder, her mother Irene spoke with the Yorkshire Evening Post. She shed light on the enduring impact of losing her daughter, emphasising that not a single day went by without Angela being on her mind. Irene also revealed that Mina Latif, Christopher Bevis and Nolene Harker had been released while Claire Latif and Mark Frankham were anticipated to transfer to an open prison. Through tears, Irene said, Our family are still traumatised and angry about the scum who tortured Angela to death, all for her jewellery and their own gratification. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. 
the social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 